Today's year we're going to discuss volunteers. A few other topics as well, but we'll start off with volunteers. Many times there's organizations, you have schools, you have yeshivas, that people volunteer to help out. They want to volunteer, they want to help out with the dinner, dinner campaign. So they volunteer their time, and then along the way they see that they're not able to do it. They're not able to, simply it's too overwhelming, they didn't expect it to be this complicated, and they back out. Or sometimes they may have, they may not feel like they're appreciated. Whatever the reasons are, they decide to back out. Now assuming that the reasons are not significant enough to allow people to quit jobs, what's the status of a volunteer vis-a-vis -vis quitting a job? Do we say that a volunteer, since he's a volunteer, he has, a, he has an open, he has a, it's basically a, a license to do whatever he wants, to quit whenever he wants. Or we say, no, there's still responsibilities that are expected from a volunteer. So the Ramah writes, the Ramah writes, that if you have a poil ha'oysa bechino, if you have a poil at the end of, it's Shin Lam and Gimel, at the end of Sephay, poil sha'oysa bechinom im balabayis, yoch alapsar afilu bedobra ovid. A worker that's working for free, he's not getting any payment, he's working pro bono. The halacha is, he's able to back out, even if it's a dover ha'ovid, even if it's going to cause a loss. Even if it's going to send the whole dinner campaign spiraling, he's allowed to back out. So Ramah very clearly is telling us that a person who volunteers cannot be bound by any kind of limitations. Now, Let's not walk out of the shir at this point. Let's listen to the words of the shach. The shach says as follows. The shach says that the Ramah cannot be taken as face value. You cannot say that a person who volunteers has the right just to wreck someone else's thing. Now, obviously, we, we know what could happen if people would work that way. Says the shach, You want me to stay on the job? So pay me like a worker. You can't force him to work for free. That's what the Ramah means. But to quit the job and leave you hanging if you're willing to pay him for his, for his time, that he cannot do. Again, we're talking about a Dabra Avud, which we said means a case of a loss, which even a poil that has a right to be chayzer b'chatzayoyim does not have a right to be chayzer in a case of a loss. Again, you can never be chayzer in the case of a loss unless you're a total oinus. We're not talking about a person who's an oinus. If there's no oinus, he can't back out. Says the Ramah, if you're a volunteer, you could back out, which the shach inserts a caveat to mean, that means you can back out from not working for free. You mean from working for free. You, now you want to be paid for your time, that you, could, you, you can do. But to totally back out, even if they offer you money, that you're not allowed to do. The Nesivas on the bottom discusses the shach, and according to the Nesivas it comes out that, according to some opinions, you have the right to back out even if you're offered money. Even if you're offered money, you have the right to back out, which, which is the simple reading of the Ramah. However, the Chazanish, and Baba Kama, Simchav Beis, is madchal the Nesivas, he, he disagrees with the Nesivas strongly, and he passes like the Shach, and therefore, according to the Chazanish, and according to the Shach, if you're a volunteer, before you volunteer for anything, 
Make sure you know what you're getting yourself into, number one, because you may not be able to back out. Now, if you do back out, they're going to offer you money, but you're going to have to work for the money. You can't leave them hanging. They're going to have, you're going to have to keep on doing the job. They have to know their responsibilities to you. They, know, they have to know that they have to pay you if you want to back out. But you have to know that once they offer you some kind of compensation that you're happy with, that's it, you're stuck. You cannot. Now, obviously, if you make conditions earlier and they know that it may not happen and this and that, there's obviously, in those cases, there's something to talk about. But in a general situation where you're expected, you're volunteered for something, and, and, and you're carrying the, the, the burden of it, you're shouldering the burden of making sure this is a successful campaign, you cannot just leave them hanging in the middle. That concludes basically the discussion of Sechir's Pailim from the first two um, Shiurim that we mentioned, that we went through the Indian, and we mentioned all the details that have to do with backing out on, on employers and employees. Then obviously, Yosef and Masha Kasev, there's a lot more than what we spoke about, but on the surface level, those are the, the basic Yisoydas. I want to talk about now some general ideas that are connected to Sechir's Pailim, the rest of today's year and also next week's Yurim. And that is that there's halachas that apply to Sechir's Pailim that are connected to Sechir's Pailim in ways that we may not find in contemporary society. Now, one, we'll start with the most, one of the most obvious ones, and that is hiring and buying Jewish. A Yid is looking for a worker, he has a company, he has a grocery store, and he has people who he knows, Yidin that he knows, that need a job. And on the other hand, there's also non-Jewish workers. You know, sometimes people like to have a little bit of a variety in their company, for whatever their logic or whatever their reason is. The Torah tells us, in the Shulchan Aruch passing the other day in Hilchot the Torah tells us, Vechazakta boy, you're supposed to give your, take care, you're supposed to take care of your brother. Vechazakta boy, strengthen him, make sure he has a parnosah. Sometimes it's hard, it's hard sometimes to give a job to somebody that you know very well. Like they say, too close for comfort. You have to, you have a mitzvah, if you know he has nothing, you have a mitzvah, to give him a parnasa, and not only that, the Shulchan Aruch says, it's the highest form of tzedakah. There's no higher form of tzedakah than giving a yid a jab. There's no greater form of tzedakah than giving a yid a jab. Now, many people may not look at it like tzedakah, but if they think to themselves they're doing a mitzvah of tzedakah, they get a tremendous, tremendous mitzvah. And that, therefore, the Torah tells us it's a mitzvah to do it. There's a Sefer Arthas Yaisher, this is not the one that Chaim Kanyevsky wrote, it's from earlier, Achron. And the same Rav Yasha, he writes something very fascinating. He says that the people that did not hire Jewish workers suffered because of it. When they obviously were talking about that they had the option or that it made sense for them, but they specifically did not want to, their business suffered because of it. It's a Kabbalah that if a person hires a Yid to work for him, his business will have more success than if he does not hire the Yid to work for him. That's what it says in the same Rav Yasha. The same halacha applies, or a similar halacha, I should say, applies to buying and selling Jewish, buying and selling from Yid. Now this obviously is a topic that, that comes up very often, and it's important that a person should have a little bit of an idea of the ramification of the halacha. The Torah says, A person who sells to a Yid or buys from Yid should not overcharge. 
They're not overcharged on the item. That's the halacha, which is known as oinah. Oinah is, is, a, is a sugya which is discussed at length in, in the Shachanar earlier. We're not going to go into that. But the question is, why does the Torah give the halacha of oinah with the introduction that if you sell something to a yid or you buy something from a yid? Why does the Torah just tell you that al-toinu il-shalacha? That's often a person should not overcharge his, his brother. So the, we learn now from here, from Chisim Karu, the, the, the Gemara says, the, the Paisim say, that there's a mitzvah to sell to a Yid. Chisim, that when, when you sell, I think it's a Safri actually, that when you sell al-timkel Yisrael, sell to a Yid, and when you buy, you should buy from a Yid. The Torah wanted to tell us what the proper thing for us to do. Taisis of Zara writes, a person who has an avela and has an option to give it to a ger toishav, which those days was someone who kept the shavuot mitzvah There's a mila to give it to him over to someone else over over a guy, a total guy, because the ger toishav will gain from it. And those days there was a mitzvah to treat them properly. These ger the ger toishav and kabuchaymer if it's to a yid, kabuchaymer to a yid. If you have something you could sell, you should sell it to a yid. The chuvas are more rights. The Shuba, the famous Shuba about the printing of the Rambam, the Ramah writes that a person who, who's coming to buy and sell from a Yid, even if there's a loss involved, even if there's a certain amount of loss involved, still you should do it, you should sell it to a Yid. Now, I wanted to mention that this I know many people are going to have a hard time to stomach such halacha. Um, it's so easy today just to open up Amazon and just to buy something. The question is what's the hazard to do that? If you have, you have a store down the block, center of town, beautiful store, people go in there, you can get anything you need. What's the hetter not to do that? question is, is there a hetter? Or, or so obviously the halacha is, it's preferable to give your business to a year. Now, what if there's going to be a, some kind of a, a, a difference in price that if you buy from the garage store, it's going to be something that you don't have to pay as much, you pay less as opposed to a Yiddish store. I'm not saying that's the case, but if, let's say, you have such a case, in those cases, Allah would require, would not, I'm sorry, would not require that you buy from Yid. The question is, how much of a difference is that? So the Michas Yitzchak says, Michas Yitzchak writes, he brings a few sheets, but I believe the, the most dominant sheet, and I believe the Chavetz Chaim writes, I, I, I forgot where, I tried to find it, but I remember seeing it inside, the Chavetz Chaim writes, I think it's somewhere in Abbas Chesed, that till a shtos, till a sixth more, a person is required to buy from a yid. More than a sixth more, he's not required anymore. Probably the, the logic of that halacha is based on the end of the pasuk of al-toinu which is the halacha which is also based on a sixth. So a person who buys and sells, till a sixth more, he should go to the yiddish store. The question is, what about the other factors that are involved? What if there's a better return policy if he buys an online or if he buys in, the, in Walmart or whatever? Allah, in that case, in that case already we could say that he's not required to buy from a Yid. And the reason is because just like a hefzid, a loss could be in the value of something, so too a hefzid could be in the, in the ability to return it. Because if he's stuck with the item, and he's not, his item is not going to be able to be returned, he's going to be, have a situation that he has a loss. So therefore, he's not required to take that loss. There's an Arab Shai that writes when it comes to land. Land is something that 
we know location, location, location. Land is something that the value depends on, on the customer. Even though there's a market price to a house, but sometimes you can get much more from somebody else. So you have a year that offers you for your house the market, and you have a guy that offers you a much higher offer. In that case, you're laughing so to the guy because it's more convenient for you, and it's, it, otherwise you're taking a, a potential profit, a loss of potential profit. So therefore, you're allowed to do it. So the same concept would apply here too. Same concept would apply to buying from a yid or selling to a yid where the, where, and, and you don't have a good return policy, so you're taking this kind of loss and then you're not required, they're not required to do it. I do want to mention that, especially in today's day and age, that the return policies vary so, so greatly from store to store. It's probably important that, that the Jewish stores should understand that it, you have to adapt a more flexible return policy. Because if you're going to make the buyer feel like you're doing them a favor by selling them something and, and he feels like he can't return it or whatever, according to Allah, he may not be required to, to buy in your store, to shop in your store, because of that reason itself. So customer service is not just a, a common sense kind of thing. It's actually something that's going to affect Allah. And therefore, it's very important that a person should make sure that he's, he's, uh, he's competitive enough to, to have this ability. The, the Sefer Tzdoko Mishra from Rabbi Yaakov Bloy. Rabbi Yaakov Bloy, when it came to Chayshim Mishra and other things as well, Rabbi Yaakov Bloy's Swarm are, are literally almost a Mishra Bura on Chayshim Mishra. Rabbi Yaakov Bloy was one of the Dayodim on the Eida. Uh, tremendous, tremendous guy in the Torah. For sure, without a doubt, one of the lesser known Gedoyle Yisrael that, that are literally, they are slowly becoming more and more famous and more well known. His svarim are incredible svarim. He has a statement called Tzedakah Mishpah where he discusses the halachas of Tzedakah. And in there he has a shiloh where someone was looking to buy a sefer Torah. And he has two options. He can buy from a regular cipher or a regular store that sells. Or he has a friend, he's a, he's a poor person, a private person, who will write a sefer Torah for him as well. But... This person is going to charge her much more than the, than the other store. You have this, 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 this Judaica superstore that's willing to give him a, a good price, and you have this individual who wants to sell him a safe retire, also not bad price, but a lot more than the superstore is. What's Allah? So he says a person is allowed to take miser money, allowed to take tzedakah money and pay the difference that he would have gotten from one, from one store for the same retirement to the, to the other. He can go to the poor person and use tzedakah money to pay for that uh, same retirement. And, and he doesn't have to tell him. He doesn't have to tell him he's using tzedakah money. It's not considered neighbor's das. I would suggest that the same thing would apply to this as well. If you have some money and you have a yid who needs your business, even though you may not be required to buy from him, because he charges more than you could get it on Amazon, you should still use your maximum money and pay the difference. According to that, Allah that makes it. Now, return policy obviously would also have to be factored in, but assuming it's only that you won't have that issue, you could do this as well. The truth is, on Hagas and Rabbi Shishtarbach discusses how come today we don't see so many people that are careful enough with this Allah. He says a Svara, and he writes that nobody says this, it's on his own, he suggests this. And therefore, you cannot really rely on it, but it's important enough to justify it. And he says that it may be that the halacha of the halacha of selling and buying to, from a yid, 
is when the Yid needs it literally for his parnasa. But let's say it's already a question of extra money. In other words, he has a chain store, a whole bunch of chain stores. Do you bedafka have to shop in a Jewish store as opposed to going to a Walmart? If, the Jew, if there's a whole chain of Jewish stores? In that case, says Ramesh it may be that it's not required because it's not a question of supporting him. It's just simply a question of giving him your business. Maybe even if it's less than a sixth of a difference, you're not required to do it, says Ramesh Shtermer. And therefore, he, he justifies why it is that it was, that's not so common that people are careful with this. That, again, that's just a justification which he offers. It's not brought down anyplace else. And to make a halacha based on it, I don't think we have the ability to do that. Therefore, the halacha remains as it is, that a person should for sure try to patronize a Jewish store, especially if it's a small town store, a mom and pop Jewish store, that you know they need it for their parnasa. A person should give them preference, assuming that all other factors are the same. There are no other, there's no reason to expect the issue with the return policies. And on top of that, you have the option that you can use tzedakah money if it's a question of paying the difference that according to halacha you may not be required to pay. That will conclude the shear on the third shear on, um, on the halachas of the serious pilot.